This is Harry Man back, Francesco from Rome, Italy. And you're listening to the Spiral Out podcast with your host, Chris West. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Spiral Out Podcast. I'm your host, Chris West. On today's show, we have Sean Dietrich, right? Mm-hmm. He is an artist uh, out of, where did you say? Well, Washington State. Washington, Washington State. Um, we met at Sonic Temple, right? Yes. Yeah. Um, you got that shirt? Yeah, exactly. That's what I wore today. <laughs> nice. <laughs> um, you had this booth up, and you had all your art up, and you were selling a bunch of stuff, or hopefully you were selling a bunch of stuff. Oh, yeah. Those are good shows. But uh, you're actually, I think, the first artist I've had on the podcast that uh, hasn't done a show poster yet, or at least that I don't know about. I haven't. Um I have done few album covers for people, but you know, uh, friends, bands, but no, no show posters. Which is odd to me because uh, if you look at your art, it's very show postery. They just don't pay. <laughs> <laughs> is that what it is? Uh, um, yeah, I, I never, I don't know, have reached out. My my friend uh, or, or an artist acquaintance of mine. Um, Bo, he just finished up a poster for Sublime, and um, he had connected me with the show poster company he was working through, and they were like, oh, yeah, that's cool. We should talk about something, and then they just don't get back to you, you know, so it, um, I don't know how a lot of these artists do it. I, I think they probably put up with a lot of shit <laughs> to get their art on posters, um, or they know the bands, or not saying there's some magic to it. I know there's companies that do it, but uh I, I have worked with so many companies and have had, you know, to push through so much corporate frustration and um, that, yeah, I, I, you know, if they come to me, I'd be happy to do it, you know, but. Wait, wait, you may not be big in the show poster world, but I think this a very similar world is the cannabis world. Yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm probably in the top two or three artists that do artwork for the cannabis industry and um uh, I was the one of the first, if not the first, to put fine art, like high polished fine art, on rolling trays, grinders, accessories, stuff like that. Um, before my art came out on the OCB rolling trays, there was only, uh, you know, pot leaves or a skull or that raw tray, you know, the brown one that just says raw across it. Um, but nobody had really put artwork, you know, on a tray. And if they had, it was small scale. I just didn't know or didn't see it. So not to say I was the first, but definitely the first to get it mass produced and out there. What I remember seeing when I was a kid was like uh, they would have like uh, the Ninja Turtles, but all of their like different colored things would be the wrong color. It'd be like non-licensed <laughs> yeah. um, characters and whatnot. Not, not, nothing like what you're doing. And again, I'm... I always find this to be the hardest question talking to artists is having them describe their style, I guess, because I'm terrible at it. Um, <laughs> and I always feel like a dummy, but I'd, I'd like to get your interpretation of what your own style is. Sure. I, I think, um, yeah, after so many decades of being asked that question, uh, 
it really comes down, I think, to basically who influenced me. So you can kind of see that story. You know, I mean, growing up, I literally learned to paint by watching Bob Ross, you know, and uh, as weird and chaotic and that's not weird. Different as my that art man, is now. That man's a Bob national Ross. treasure. <laughs> yeah. You know, and and uh, I remember just uh, having all the paint supplies and my dad getting, you know, pissed that the paint thinner smelled and, you know, like, um, but yeah, doing landscapes, Norman Rockwell was a huge influence, uh, because of the, um, uh, just very caricaturesque way of how he drew people, you know? So when I look at his paintings, I see like, you know, I, I just loved how he drew his characters and, you know, the people, I mean, even if they were real people that he met, it was just, they came out very cool looking and they weren't like, you know, just the old master style where it was a dude just sitting there looking, you know, at you and, um, to see that much emotion and, um, posing and just how the characters could really make you feel something. Um, so that kind of pulled me in that direction. And then when I was about 15, I got into comic books. Let me, let me guess the one that got you, if you don't mind, because I kind of see it. <clears throat> Is it heavy metal? No, I came later. Okay. Or maybe earlier, but I didn't know it. My my uncle actually read Heavy Metal Magazine, I believe, if he hears this and I'm lying. Sorry, Kurt. Um, but I, I think he showed me the movie. Uh, because when I was, a, like, I was raised by my grandparents. My mom and I lived, you know, she was a single mom. So my uncle was only six years older than me. Um, and, I, you know, we used to act out Dungeons and Dragons. This was late seventies, early eighties. I was like three, four five years old. Um, he would have like sticker packs of like all the Greek, uh, like Medusa and you know, all the you know, clash of the Titans. We'd watch that and star Wars. So, um, but I believe he mentioned heavy metal maybe later in my high school years. Um, uh, my first comic was, I, I, I remember it vividly. I walked into seven 11 when they used to still have the spinning racks of comics and, I bought Wolverine number 15. Um, my buddy Chris, who took me in there, was like, I think you'll like this book because it's like super violent and Wolverine's kind of an asshole. And um, he just seems like right up the line of characters that you would enjoy. And he was right. <laughs> what uh, what happens in that book? I'm, I'm fairly familiar with a lot of Marvel. Uh, and I don't mean like the movies. I <clears throat> I read quite a bit of comics. I'm trying sure. to remember what what happened in Wolverine uh, number fifteen, just to see what caught you, what grabbed you. Well, I think it was just the character, and oh, he has blades coming out of his hand and butchering <laughs> right. people. Like, okay, you know, at that time, I was big into industrial music and all the weird film shit, and you know, uh, I think David Lynch and Lost Highway and all that was around the same time. And you're watching a Razorhead a lot, yeah, you know, <laughs> and getting, in, you know, yeah, friends that would have old VHS videos of just you know, horror films that weren't on the mainstream. And um, I, I believe it was uh, the Gehenna Stone Affair or Gehenna Stone. I don't know if I'm pronouncing it at all uh, right. Um, but I think that was the story arc. And I think it was one where Wolverine was over in uh, Asia. And, oh, yeah, cool. Yeah, you know, fighting whatever the uh, Yakuza or the, the Hand. The or, Hand. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, like whatever generic <laughs> Asian mob group. You know? <laughs> Terrorized Wolverine. Right. <laughs> so, um, um, all right. So you 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 uh, got into the comic books. Are you already drawing at this point? 
I am. I've been drawing since I was like four. Oh, uh, wow. I told my mom, I say this in every interview, I told my mom when I was four or five, I was going to be an artist when I grew up. That was her favorite story. Um, anytime she came to a Comic-Con or met any of my friends or fans that would talk in art, she'd be like, oh, yeah, he came to me when I was a little kid. And, and she's like, it just, he never looked back. Like there was never any other career choice or any other thing that interested me music for a little bit. Um, yeah, so it, uh, I, I was already drawing at that point and, but I was doing character based stuff and I thought I was going to go for like mad magazine or cracked or, you know, I, I was like, that seems to kind of fit where, because I was pretty confused about, I was like, I don't want to be a painter in the traditional sense. Galleries look boring. The whole art world looks boring um, and snobby. And uh, I was like, I don't know if I'll fit in there. And then I was, um, yeah, once I got into comics and, and then once I discovered Todd McFarlane, because I was hanging out with a bunch of people that were doing superhero comics and I started to try and draw the superhero style. And then I was like, fuck, man, we're all drawing the same thing and we all look the same and i said this is kind of lame and and then you know when mcfarlane came out i was like you know blown away i was like finally someone who gets it you know who actually puts that much hyper detail under their work and and then i discovered sam keith and uh you know his artwork and he, he's the reason all the pinup girls i draw have like 47 foot hair you know and definitely those would be the two biggest comic influences you know mm -hmm. on my artwork Todd McFarlane, creator Spawn. <clears throat> and Sam and, Keith, creator of the Max. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I want to look up. Uh, and early Sandman artist. I mean, later yeah. on, you know, after. Neil Gaiman, right? Uh, Neil Gaiman. Gaiman. Yeah. Oh, I thought you said Neil Diamond. I'm like. <laughs> 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 I don't know if he was involved. <laughs> it might have been a little bit. Yeah, <laughs> <right>. <laughs> Maybe Neil Gaiman <laughs> listened to Neil Diamond while doing Sandman. You never know. Awesome. Uh, <laughs> bah, bah, bah. Sorry. Okay. Um, so when did, because uh, I have uh, questions about when, you, when you're an adult, but I'm, I'm still very curious in how you developed your style. So you're doing right. Todd McFarlane. I mean, you're getting influenced by Todd McFarlane and Max Comics and Mad Magazine. Because I can see the, the, uh, the Rockwell-nisk, right? Um, and then it, it, I feel like it goes super, not super fantasy, but it like whimsical or I don't know. I don't like, I don't know the right descriptive words, but. Um, um, well, and this, and this kind of falls into the question, you know, we're going through your original question was describe my style. W one big thing is I don't like getting pigeonholed in subject matter. There's too many artists out there that are like, I only paint waves or I only paint, you know, mushrooms or i only paint this or that or you know and you're like because they're like i'm that's that's me i'm that guy and it's like but don't you have anything else inside your head to get out it, i mean for me it it seems really impossible to as an artist pick a style of art or pick a subject matter and just go that's what i'm going to do for the rest of my life you know i mean if if you are an artist and art is your life then and your life is ever changing. I mean, unless you have one of the most boring lives on the face of the planet, I, I don't, it really eludes me how certain artists can mentally 
Uh, and maybe that's why they are reclusive. Most of them are have anxiety because <laughs> they're stuck drawing the same thing. And it's like Bill Murray and Groundhog Day. I don't know. Um, but for me, uh, I, I got and, and stylistically, too. Um, if you look, definitely sorry. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. I was going to say not, I'm noticing all the different styles because I do see like Ralph Steadman in there. Yeah. I see, if you uh, go to not, my Deviant Art account. Yeah, that I'm right there. You okay? So there's 600 or 500 paintings there. If you start at the beginning, that's all my early comic art, and then you can see the entire progression. It's one of the reasons I've kept that art that account open is it's a really good kind of portfolio of like from the early comic days of 2000. I think I've been on that site for 20 years. Um, oh, wow. I used to know my my deviant art number. I think I was like number three hundred and sixty some thousand. Now they have like forty million people. So it was uh <laughs> You were relatively early. Relatively early. Um and it's been a really cool just portfolio to have online. It's you know, that way where I don't have to update it. Cause my website I like to put, you know, like the you know, newer stuff and then kind of flush it out as I as I sell through prints. <clears throat> but that deviant art account is um definitely uh you know, kept a nice portfolio. And so for the the comic style, you know, when I was getting frustrated doing uh, the superhero stuff, I was also just getting into like, to bring music into this, because music has been probably the biggest influence on my art. Um, I, I had just gotten a copy in 1989. My buddy comes to me, gives me a blank cassette tape or a cassette tape that he dubbed. He's like, here, listen to this. It'll change your life. And it was nine inch nails, pretty hate machine. And at that time, I think, uh, pink Floyd Casey's top 40, whatever was on the radio. Um, I, I really hadn't had, I think a little public image limited. I think my buddy gave me a tape of theirs. Um, and so I, I listened to that and was blown away. I was like, Holy shit, this is way different than, uh, um, anything else that was anything, out you know, and then from there I had friends that got me into thrill kill cult and KMFDM and ministry. And then I started watching headbangers ball and 120 minutes and they started playing those videos. And so I was watching like the stigmata video and, uh, yeah, had like a hole and, and all the early industrial videos front two, four, two, just, you know, um, Neubotten videos where they're just wrestling with a uh, microphones that are connected to a shopping cart, you know, to make noise. I'm like, all right, I need to do this with art. <laughs> you know, so if you look at my early comic art, it is all dark splashed black ink and a razor blade for highlights and to make it as grungy as possible and, or an exacto blade, um, as you know, not worried about uh anatomy too much or panel composition or it's just whatever felt right and that was really the beginning of like stylistically painting how it felt right as opposed to worrying about if it fits into any of the artistic rules that i was taught in high school and i think that really helped me vision wise you know, and developing a style because I think, you know, I mean, obviously I'm very comfortable with what I do now and sure, I think it works. And that was just kind of my different path I took to, to get there. What uh comic book was this that, that you, cause I see panels with words. And so I'm guessing you um, did the illustrations and somebody else wrote it or did you write and I wrote and drew everything. Yeah. So, so I do write as well. I, I haven't, done a lot lately but um 
Yeah. Uh, so Industriacide was the first book. Uh, it was a 120-page graphic novel. It originally came out as a six-issue miniseries. Uh, the first three issues came out. Then the publisher went bankrupt or, I don't know, mismanaged his money. We had orders through previews for the last three issues, and then it um, he just didn't fulfill. So uh, James Taylor, not the singer, but um, publisher of Rorschach Entertainment, he hit me up at Comic-Con in San Diego one year. Um, we were both actually being having our portfolios reviewed by Dark Horse. So, uh, and he said, uh, well, I'm actually going to start a comic company and I can publish your book as a graphic novel next year if you want. I said, yeah, sure. And uh, so I did my review. Dark Horse was actually interested, but I was like, I don't know. I kind of like this dude. Let's just go with it. And um, so Industriaside came out first. That's most of the art that you're seeing at the beginning of the art page with the little kid and the teddy bear and yeah, the, um, the black and white stuff. Yeah. And then I put a book out called Fervor, which was about like a call girl, and then one called Mess. And then uh, I did one book through, um, I think it was 216 Inc. It was a company out of Philly called Catalepsy. And so those are the three 32-page one-shots and then a 120-page graphic novel. And that, that was pretty much the extent of my my comic years. Um, they did take me a, quite a while to to put out. I was... Definitely not. I'm, I'm a pretty fast painter, but as far as putting a whole book together, that was. Yeah, 120 <laughs> yeah. multiple artworks per page. And yeah, and none of that writing it. Uh, I and couldn't I, even imagine. Yeah, I have another book, Heart Murmur, that's ready to go. I wrote it 25 years ago, 20 years ago. And, and it uh, but it I just couldn't see myself doing sequential art again. Or I think my one of my biggest problems is drawing that small. Like my comic pages now would have to be two by three feet or <laughs> which sure is possible. You, but now that I'm used to painting that big, it'd be tough. Could you, yeah. Could you not paint big and then make it smaller on digitally? Possibly. I'm just not a fan of digital a lot. <laughs> uh, I mean, I could do it digitally. I mean, well, you know, that's, that's a, that's a good thing to bring up. Cause I just started about a year ago using procreate to, sketch out all my paintings so I could zoom in and really get the detail right and whatnot. And then I'll project it on the bigger panels. And that's been working brilliantly. Um, the, the efficiency is incredible, and especially with the pinup girls where, you know, I use a very specific model, let's say there's, especially on DeviantArt, there's about three or four photographers that I use their pose packs. And, um, so I'll import that get the basic outline and procreate. And then I'll use that to, to base the, the model off of. And then, but going from that to paper and then trying to translate it to canvas, you know, without projecting it, it just loses so much. And so being able to just project the sketch onto the, the canvas and then go in with ink and paint after that has been a huge help. Uh, uh, let me, let, let me jump back for a second. I'm very curious about this model pose pack. So, there's a photographer you work with that takes pictures of women and you um, use some of those photos as inspiration and or for poses and whatnot. Yeah. yeah stock. Uh, it's just stock poses. Um, I think uh, there's probably there's Senshi stock. Um, I think there's one just called like um, I'd have to, if I saw it on, on the DeviantArt page, but basically if you just put like stock images, pinup poses or something, there's guys that just, photograph models oh it's this week it's this model she's in 15 different poses but it's a lot of it started because comic artists need 
you know, wanted poses. And there's people that will just do more of the pinup stuff. And then there's people that'll do action shots where they'll jump on a trampoline with two guns, you know, or a, a sword or something. So you can actually get them flying through the air. Or... <laughs> it really helps. I mean, I've, I've got friends like my buddy Ali Garza. He draws, you know, comics professionally. And that guy can just draw whatever, whenever, you know, pose wise. And uh, I'm not there yet. <laughs> like, no, because I, I the reason I'm curious is. I've slowly, and I haven't shown anybody anything, but I've slowly been dabbling in in art, and I'm going, coming from a place that has zero ability to draw. <clears throat> Excuse me. And uh, I'm, I'm learning these, like, tricks, uh, like projecting uh, stuff onto a canvas. Uh, I'm trying to stay as far away from digital stuff as I can to start off because I, yeah. I want to learn. But, um, yeah. Uh, it's just crazy how many tips and tricks and tools and things that are out there that the, the average person, when they see him see a drawing, may just think like, well, how did he come up with that on the spot? Yeah. And it's like, <laughs> yeah. well, it's just like anything else. You have to work at it. You have to, uh, you know, uh, good. Yeah. Well, and, and with painting, it's a lot different. I mean, comics, it's, you know, every pose every panel has to have you know a team you got teams that are fighting each other i mean you know that's what they worked on was knowing how to draw people in every conceivable pose and then for painters it's we're picking out that perfect pose you know the one that's going to really bring the painting home and 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 convey the message in one panel so like if you had to draw a comic but it only had to be you, you had to pick that one perfect panel i you know that's where you know painting comes in and how it's a little bit different. What I would love to be able to just sit down and be like, oh, yeah, I'm just going to crank this out and, <laughs> you know, but it's one thing I never really studied. I never did life drawing. I never did a lot of um, comic art in the sense of studying anatomy, you know, heavily. I mean, I would go through all the basics. I know how to divide the face up and do the little skeleton thing and, you know, all that hoo-ha. But, um, uh, but yeah, just these the photographers are, are really cool to work with. And, and it's awesome because you don't have to deal with the model. You don't have to hire someone and do all the, you know, Oh, let's set up a shoot. And it's like, you go on, some are free and they just want credit or they just want you to send them what you painted. I mean, most of it, they don't even, uh, I think the one that I use, I pay like $2 and 50 cents for like a photo pack. And then it comes with a commercial license, um, which is awesome. So, yeah. That's super. And it, it, whatever it, in my opinion, whatever works, you know, you obviously have carved out your own pathway in, in the art world and, uh, whatever you can do to keep your head above water. I, I, you know, I would imagine. Yeah. It, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's always about experimentation. And like I said, not pigeonholing myself and hopping around and I just, I get bored easily, um, with, most everything <laughs> you know when yeah. it comes to no, i get you i i don't know i it's why i don't do like like you were just a designer con and you know it's not that i don't play well with other artists I, I i love to collaborate and um you know we can talk later about a podcast that i'm building out that's actually going to be for helping artists um but a lot of the i i, I just got really off put by the whole artist image or, or when Club? I meet artists and they were so like, 
like nothing against trying not to be mean. Um, but you've been, to be art, mean. you've been to art be fairs, mean. right? And yeah, you've been to comic cons and half the artists sit there looking like they're like, if you spoke to them, they would just shatter into a million pieces or, you know, they're not all like me where they could be a little more. And I used to be super shy, but I was like, dude, if I, if this is going to work, you know, I got to get a personality, <laughs> you know, and, I think uh, the ones with personality definitely rise, like, you know, um, like, like anything, the cream. Yeah. yeah. But uh, they're for sure, again, being at the designer con, and I probably talked to 30 different uh, printmaker or just artists, let's just say artists. And um, yeah, I mean, they're ter well, either terrified to. Um, and this is one of the things that I, I want to start getting into with interviews and podcasting and book writing and maybe guest speaking at some comic cons and designer cons and stuff, but really getting out there and like, you know, helping these artists realize that, you know, you don't have to live life in fear. You don't have to be reclusive. There is no image. You don't have to be the cool person with 900 piercings and a leather jacket to be like, oh, I'm the artist and then have like this whole manifesto of what you're about. I mean, have that. That's cool. Yeah. If that's what but, you want to do. Yeah. But it's like your core values and your, you know, taking this seriously as a career, you know, needs, there needs to be a refresh as far as that's concerned. And, uh, um, you know, not worrying about what other people think. A lot of artists, the biggest thing that, you know, I, I find is that they're terrified to talk about what they do because they're afraid someone's going to rip them off. Yeah, or steal their technique. I got news for you. You're already being ripped off. Before. Like yeah. if you're out there and you're showing your art, somebody's already looked at that and went, that's cool. I'm taking that. Yeah. It's just about how are you, <laughs> how are you making it? Yeah. Exactly. And paying more attention to that. No, no one's going to steal your job, you know, because it's art. It's not really a job. Yeah, I get it. You can lose Somebody else can go into Sony and be like, I do this better than this dude or whatnot. But um, uh, but as far as your art's concerned, it's it's what you built. It's you. And if you do have a style and you've actually put yourself into it, as opposed to, like I said, just picking one thing and being like, I'm that guy. Because that's the only thing that people have reacted positively to or I'm too afraid to experiment because it might put a dent in my income or any of so those gonna, other mental blocks. You know, that's, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask you two questions. Uh, and these came up frequently at DesignerCon. Mm -hmm. uh, one, do you identify as an artist? Because I, I, ha about half the artists I talked to did did not. They're like, oh, I'm more of a technician. I'm more of this. I'm more of that. Being calling myself an artist is kind of bougie. Okay. Um. I do 100% identify as an artist. Um, it It's only bougie if, like I said, when, when I was young and I was looking at the art world and I looked at snobby galleries and all that and, oh, I'm an artist and, you know, that whole ethos of, um, or that, yeah, the air of superiority that kind of comes along with that. It's it, it doesn't mean you have to be that way. If, if you're an artist, like, I will make a, 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 a distinction between being technically proficient and being an artist. I think an artist is someone that this is their profession. I think there's a lot of technically proficient people out there, but I think an artist comes when you have 
found a way to create that link between your life and what you got up here in your head and your art. So when your art actually speaks for who and what you are and what you're thinking, and I think that would probably be my distinction between what makes an artist, not necessarily that you're selling stuff, um, because there's obviously a lot of talented people out there selling their art, but, you know, like I said, you meet them and they, they just tend to be like, not happy that they're doing it or, you know, I mean, you got to have a passion for this. You have to, it's like, you'll hear it from every musician and every comic artist and every, you're not in it for the money. You have to be in it by the passion and, you know, and, and it's true, it's cliche and it's overused sometimes. But if, if you don't have that connection with your art, then I, I don't think you're an artist, but being an artist is there's nothing wrong with titling yourself that I, I don't think no, I don't. there's anything bougie about it. I don't think so either. It's just something. Yeah. Um, well, and, and, and uh, if, <laughs> if you look at most artists paychecks, I don't think there's anything bougie about it. <laughs> you know? No, so. not at all. <laughs> uh, the, the second one out of uh, those two that I thought were um, the second question that I think is very interesting is, you, you touched on this before is I don't know how to, and I'll cut this until I ask it right but there's a, a lot of artists that will do something and it becomes very popular and then when they 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 themselves become less popular and then have to go back to the well let's say um, I, I try and do that uh, I I love experimenting i love saying hey i know you guys liked all the alice in wonderland shit i did but that was one contract now i'm going back to the world war pin world war ii pinup or i'm going to the more goddess style art or i'm um what i'm doing right now actually is i'm i i've i've done about 20 some years of live painting at nightclubs and festivals and stuff like that so early 2000s in san diego i was doing live art six nights a week for about three years that's how i was getting my my you know name out there they were only three, four hour paintings. So I actually went through and picked 10 of the ones that I really enjoyed and I'm redoing them, but giving them studio treatment and taking the time and, and giving them 15, 20 years more practice, you know, and, and what would that look like now in my style? And, but they were insanely weird guys with 500 needles shoved in his mouth with a glass of wine full of pills or, you know, um, stuff that was more making fun of the scene that I was seeing or, the weirdos at the nightclub or, you know, so you will alienate some of your fans if they're only there, you know? So for instance, the Alice in Wonderland book, they loved my art, the people that bought it. They absolutely loved what I did with Alice. They would not, but a lot of them are Alice fanatics. They're not Sean Dietrich fanatics. So that's fine. And if they don't like my other art, well, you know, we had a good time together. You know, it's, Kind of like a spouse or girlfriend or boyfriend or, you know, sometimes it doesn't work out, you know, <laughs> but you shouldn't be, you shouldn't let that worry you because if you get comfortable, that's when you're going to start to suck. And I think that's where that's going to do more damage to your, your career and, and your, I think art mentality, because you're not working your brain to try out other ideas. You're not jumping around and, and experimenting and, um, you know, it's like, do you see the, the biggest actors out there? They don't all act the same part. They're doing 
the the greatest ones are hopping all over the place and doing different characters and that's kind of a i think a great analogy for or, or something sure. to look at you know for sure and i and i think where where it relates in, into my experience with this is you know, I have all those tool posters behind me, right? Mm-hmm. I'm a I'm a I'm a tool fan, but on some level, on a lot of levels, actually, it's opened my eyes to different different artists. Right now, I have preferences. Right, I have favorite artists now, as as opposed to when before I got into posters, I could I could barely name maybe a couple. You know, sure, I could I could name you know Norman Rockwell and uh, I can. What's his name? I just mentioned earlier. Bob Ralph Ross. Stedman. Yeah. <laughs> Ralph Stedman, Bob Ross, yeah. Alex Gray. But now, I mean, I, the dozens are in my brain at all times now. And you have all this eclectic styles and whatnot. But, yeah, no, it's, it's uh, art is a strong. Yeah. Uh, but I, and I think artists need to explore that world. You know, I, I think a lot of artists get too wrapped up in being an artist, you know, a, they all quit their day jobs too early, <laughs> you know, and, and, uh, that's a horrible thing. Cause then you're just stressed and, and that doesn't create great art and broke and broke. And, and that's not an environment. I mean, yeah, great art comes through suffering, but it doesn't mean you have to create that suffering <laughs> on, and put it upon yourself. I mean, um, it, you know, it's all about balance and, and taking that time to, to really, I mean, I assess my life on a daily basis. Every night I sit back and I'm just like, you know, am I doing enough? You know, why did I fuck off and play games instead of getting this commission done? Or why did I do that? You know, and okay, we got to get this, you know, if something like that happens or, or if everything's going swimmingly, it's like, okay, let's take a look at this industry. I'm in like cannabis industry right now is starting to get a little stale, a little boring. Um, You know, how do we, on my end with what I'm doing kind of spice it up a bit to make sure at least my booth and my presence in this industry is, um, where I want it to be. And maybe yeah, throw the left instead of keep throwing the jab. Yeah, exactly. Um, I, I gave a speech once at, at, um, ASD, which is a big, uh, convention in Vegas where if you own a shop, you come buy all the products. And so I gave a speech on marketing and, it was funny because there was all these corporate people and they're all sitting there and they're like, you know, well, this guy's going to give us, you know, he looks like one of the cool kids. Maybe, you know, he's not dressed like us or whatever. He's the artist for OCB. They knew who I was and, and um, which was the biggest rolling paper company in the world. I mean, I was doing some pretty substantial art for them and that was getting out there. But I told him and they all look confused. I was like, stop using green and pot leaves and <laughs> every other. I go, look at what everybody else is doing and go the opposite direction. I go especially when it's cliche like that, you can't tell me that like when you got into the industry, you just had to have a pot leaf on your logo. Like there was nothing else inside your head. There was no other passion for growing or distribution or packaging design or the culture itself, which is in desperate need of saving. Um, That didn't attract you to the industry. I mean, obviously you're in the industry. uh, Most, you know, it's changed since legalization because it's a big cash grab from a lot of corporate people. But the core of it was, you know, you're in your bedroom with your friends in high school smoking weed, you know, listening to Led Zeppelin or listening to cool music or there's a whole culture yeah. that needs to be nurtured and kept alive or else it just becomes another boring. And, we'll, and what would you say? Well, 
Well, just keeping the art alive for sure. I mean, making sure like if you I, I just did MJ BizCon for the first time, which is the business growing manufacturing packaging side of things. It's not the champ show, which is the art and culture glass blowing. If you own a shop, you go in. This is where you outfit it. And MJ BizCon is the big money grow houses. And it probably had the most boring trade show booths. Like, you know, I just, uh, or am working with a company right now um, that I met there because the guy walked by and looked at the booth and I was live painting. And he was like, what is this? He's like, this is cool. He's like, this is not supposed to be here. You know, <laughs> or, you know, he kind of had that reaction and, and, you know, we ended up having a great conversation. Now we're going to do some work together, but, um, but it's really funny how there is, and, and half the people I talked to had no idea what the champ show was. And I go, so all this weed you're growing and all this stuff that you're, you know, this industry that you're just trying to make all this money off of, you have no connection with the, the customer or the culture that you're, you know, you're taking money from or you're trying to be a part of. And it was really eye-opening to see that division. Um, a, a friend of mine was over at the Bic Lighter booth and these two girls came up and said, um, oh, we didn't know you were in the industry. We thought you only made pens. Big is like the <laughs> like other than like, Zippo. And he, he said he was just flabbergasted. He was like, that would have been too. Yeah. So I mean, uh, it's 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 like Zippo and Bick, and then occasionally you'll yeah. get like a, a dollar crappy. Zippo, I mean, I, I I do art for Zippo. You know, I sure. mean that's there's one of my designs right now. You know, and and uh, but even that, it's like Zippo is huge, but they brought me in to help them. Uh, you know, attach themselves to the culture. Yeah, because they like, were they people were had... ti people were tired of buying Zippos with like the the Patriots on them. Yeah, or one hundred percent. Yeah, they didn't want you know flaming skulls. You know, I'm gonna oh I'm gonna buy my mushroom bong and and then can I get that Grim Reaper Zippo to go along with it? So so they had the vision and the foresight to go. Hey, you know what? They talked to me and they said, uh, yeah, we we'd love to put some stuff you know your designs on this because obviously it's more in tune with you know, getting into dispensaries and shops. And I said, that's awesome. I said, so, most companies don't really look at it that way. I, I want to transition a little bit. Sure. Um, on your, you know, you've talked about doing these live drawings and at festivals and nightclubs and conventions. Do you go into those with a plan of attack or do you kind of let the... Uh, a little of both. I've, I've done everything from have the painting inked, ready for color, to, hey, I have a blank board audience. Give me three words, three items. And and they'll be like scissors, headless people, and cats. Or, you know, And then I'll just combine all that into a painting. Um, really depends on... I, I know when I was doing it like six nights a week in the early 2000s, mid-2000s, I would sometimes try and plan out because I had so many or I do a series where I'd be like, okay, this is all going to be part of this week's series. Um, but a lot of times I would also be like, you know what, this week I'm going to freestyle whatever I walk up to that canvas and I'm feeling right then and there. And that was just to keep my, my mind sharp. Um, so I didn't is, have to continue research. Is there anything on the deviant art, uh, site that you can remember you just going up and 
doing in the moment? Um, yeah, let me, uh, let me pull up DeviantArt. There's a, because a lot of those early paintings that you do see after the comic art were all done live. I think very, in fact, all of them were, I think up until I did like one of my first pinup girls, uh, nothing was done in studio. Um, so most of the paintings that you're seeing were all done in front of, uh, an audience, a live studio audience. <laughs> right. Like See, so. Home improvement. Yeah. And there's me. Uh, quick question. I may cut this out, but I'm just curious. Mm -hmm. Yeah, married. Uh, my wife, Rachel, um, super creative as well. Uh, helps me with a lot of like booth design and whatnot and sculpture. She's doing stop motion animation right now. She's learning that we're about to put out little films uh, for each painting and um, two kids, uh, Maximilian 11 and Guinevere 15. Um, did you, so did you notice years. any, <laughs> did you notice any, um, I don't want to say shift, but does having a family or how does a family influence your art direction? Um, it, it doesn't really, um, as far as like what I paint, uh, I mean, my wife will have some opinions about some stuff, <laughs> you know, and she's definitely very good at that. Like, uh, Hey, I don't know if that last one, you know, but, um, uh, I, I mean, do you mean like, like that? Like, do I paint different subject matter now because I have kids running around the house or no, not necessarily in a, in a, in a way that would restrict you, but, uh, you definitely hear about people that like, once they have kids, their perspective may change. Oh, or... sure. Yeah. But I, I think for me, it's more just me as a person. And I think that's why I'm, I'm really looking forward to putting out my podcast and a, a new book I'm working on because it, it's gotten me to, Obviously, when you have kids and, and a wife, you're supposed to get your shit together. And uh, I think I've done a pretty good job of that. You know, like I said, um, you know, we're doing well. Um, but also, you know, having to, to deal with kids homework and getting them organized and, you know, stuff like that. And 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 now they're at the age where I can actually start giving them some good advice and maybe even a little wisdom and help them on some real issues you know, in their life. And I'm like, okay. And I think that is what kind of pushed me to wanting to do more like guest speaking engagements and stuff like that, where I can really kind of help artists, you know, come out of their shell or help with the business side of things. Or, um, I, I think in, in a way that side of the art business has more come out of me than let's say my paintings having a, a different perspective because I have kids. Fair. Um, I have a odd question. You Charles Bukowski fan? Absolutely. <laughs> I can tell. Uh, uh, Thompson, Bukowski, Kurt Vonnegut, uh, uh, Jack Kerouac. I mean, I, I, I love all those guys. Um, and the reason I bring up Bukowski is uh, I read somewhere that you would go to bars and gain inspiration from maybe these darker places. Yeah. Not only like clubs, but... Um, Huge dive bar fan. Yeah. Like, 
I actively I, seek them out on tour. And um, so I don't drink, but I am very familiar with the dive bar culture. Um, and again, if somebody listening has never been to a dive bar, they, they should know what one is. You are <laughs> missing out. <laughs> Which well, just uh, it's a cultural shock, I think. Yeah, uh, it's uh, you know, it's where I'm gonna find. It, typically, it started on tour. We would get to a town, and I'd be like, "Okay, best dive bars in Cincinnati or Omaha, or you know," because I knew that's where I was gonna find the locals, and then they were gonna point me in the right direction to good food or you know, great stories about the city or hidden stuff. I mean, they're the ones that keep the past alive generally for a city too. It's like they're the ones that are they're in a dive bar complaining about how the city oh it's gotten all modern and remember the times when it was you know, so I love hearing those stories and and you know best times of my painting career have been in, in dive bars. So now that you have the deviant art thing up, can you think of a specific scenario in a dive bar? Um, yeah, there's one called Whiskey Melt, which was kind of like, uh, where's that at? Uh, well, let me make sure it's even on here. Oh, one, two. Yeah. See, mine's all the, on one page, just scrolls down. Uh, you said it's a, a guy with a melty face? Yeah. I mean, there's a, there's that, there's, um, one called Drinking with Death. It's basically a dude drinking a tall boy of PBR and it was a joke against how for some reason if I'm just drinking a can of PBR a 12 ounce can I can go through them but those tall boys seem to last forever so death has come to take this old guy and he's just bored at the bar he's got like 18 shots in front of him and this guy's just chilling like no my tall can's not done yet Uh, Uh, I like the one uh, there's like a guy in front of McDonald's oh with his heart blown out (laughs) yeah (laughs) yeah that's call the McRib <laughs> and then if you go I don't know maybe a couple pages or a page it's it's maybe one two three four five maybe ten more paintings you'll see one where it's a dude that's basically strung up by his digestive I system I see it <laughs> that's sexy American and then there's one two paintings after that you'll see a dude with a McDonald's arches shoved in his back so that was a whole series I did based off like our obsession with fast food and um and then there's like uh, a couple paintings after the Mc- McDonald's one. There's like a girl in a blue dress. And that was about like the California education system, cutting out creativity, uh, art and music and drama. So, yeah, like it's a good example of how I hop around. And, and then you see all the World War II and the pinup and um, the yeah. fear and loathing. And there's a kid's book I did uh, with my it? wife where her and her friend Lexi wrote this book about you know, A is for Apple, you know, about kids eating their veggies and, um, I see it. Yeah. So I don't, I, I just can't stick with one thing for too long. And, uh, cause it, it, your sub, even though your subject matter changes, um, yeah, that, that'll come through i mean it, it you know and and obviously as it gets to the the newer stuff like the line work is more detailed and cleaner i've gotten a lot more hyper detailed with the inking and um it, it's cool too to see the i love this page because you can see how raw and very fast everything was painted painted in the beginning 
I usually, when I'm interviewing artists, um, like I'll go through their entire Instagram and you can see like a progression from the beginning of their Instagram to wherever they seem to be. Yeah. This gives you, you know, what, 15 years pre-Instagram, 10 years. <laughs> I mean, it's, it goes back a ways. So, and, and that's why I, I keep it around. Like I said, it's just been an awesome gallery. Um, to, to have available to kind of show people like, oh, if you want to know, check this out. And then you can see everything that I've almost, I mean, this isn't every painting I've ever done, but. So tell me about your work with festivals. How did that, how'd that start? Cause so I don't see that. A, I don't okay. see that a whole, whole lot. Um, no, I'm now more than more than I have in the past, but there's usually food vendors and yada, you know, XYZ shirt companies. But now it seems like, something like welcome to rockville or or sonic temple or um whatever the other one is in louder than life um yeah, yeah all, the, all the danny wimmer shows that's that's all, yeah yeah those are, those are the core shows that i do they're almost like um mini what what, what is it called uh like markets yeah yeah they have vendors uh um no, it, and it, a bunch of vendors yeah Oh yeah. 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 Well, Sonic Temple, where you were at, there was, uh, I think there was eight or nine vendors and the rest were all charity groups and sponsors. So it, it is really hard to get into Wimmer shows, um, because he's, he's got his core group, you know, myself and, and Bill Stidham, uh, he's the artist next to me who was doing all the portraits of rock stars. And so we've been, I think doing Wimmer shows for between 10 and 12 years, depending. He was, I think a year before me. Um, and I was, uh, I started festivals about 13 years ago. My buddy, Vincent Gordon, he's a, another awesome artist. I, I did a lot of collaborations with him. I've probably done over 30 different paintings with him. Um, his old roommate, I believe this is how we got connected, uh, was security for, I don't know, a bunch of rock stars and some big band, but he actually knew somebody over at um, Insomniac who does Identity Fest and they do a lot of electronic music festivals. So we got in on Identity Fest, which was a traveling electronic music festival. Um, the headliners that year were like uh, DJ Shadow, Steve Aoki, Crystal Method. Um, and essentially that was my honeymoon. My, my wife and I got married and then we had a Volvo station wagon, a pop-up tent trailer. Uh, with no air conditioning in in the trailer, and our three and a half year old daughter, uh, and hit the road about two months after we got married, and ended up doing this couple comic cons on the way, and ended up doing, uh, I think maybe like twelve or thirteen dates on Identity Fest, and that was our first time doing the shows. I think back now, and I'm like, that was crazy, you know, just being able to just uproot like that. And, you know, but some, that's, sometimes that's what you got to do. <laughs> so, um, from there, just getting connected with other promoters, um, mosh it up clothing. They're the ones that saw my art and they were like, dude, you would do great at these rock shows. You should try uproar metal mayhem and then try and get into rock on the range, which is now Sonic temple. And that was my first Danny Wimmer show about 10 years ago. Um, and then it's just grown from there. You know, I, I've, Stopped doing Comic-Cons, um, 
simply because sitting around for four and a half days at San Diego, I can make that in like two hours at a rock show. So, um, I love yeah. the comic cons, but the money is just madness at these shows. So, yeah, I mean, I, I my guess is they charge you like what three, four hundred dollars for for a booth at a comic con. If oh yeah, try times ten. <laughs> it's thousands. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it could be it could be anywhere between four to ten thousand for a booth, depending on what show it is, and whatnot. so it is. The money's good, but you you got to have a a company. You got to have something going, you know, and backing. And you know, I get sponsors every year, and I I deal with. Um, I just signed a new deal with Art Rolls, who's going to take over all the manufacturing of all my products, and so they're backing me on this. So um, it's it's an event. I mean, it's not just you know, hey, I'm here, um, like an art fair where you do only pay four hundred bucks or whatever, and you show up, you set your stuff up, and sell. Sometimes I miss those days, but you know, nothing's going to compare to selling my art and watching like 50 of the bands I want to see, you know, and, um, yeah, nothing can no, really top that. No, not at all. And, yeah. w- and when I seen you at the Sonic Temple, you, you, not only were you selling, um, like smaller products and prints, you sold like a major. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, we sold some big pieces, some panels. Um, uh, Thomas over at Spirit Printing, I'll give a nice shout out to him. He is one of he runs one of the best print shops in the United States, if not the best, uh, out of San Diego, and um, he can do anything. And he and he and he's always experimenting, always trying to come up with the best ways to do posters. And uh, but he handles all my metal and wood and canvas and matte prints, fine art prints. Um, so he makes it easy because I can just take orders at the show and put them in and he handles printing and drop shipping them. So having relationships like that where I don't have to, I used to have to print three or four of each of ones that I thought would sell, you know, and bring them out and hope. And then that would just take up more room in the van. And so having, uh, you know, a few years ago I switched and I stopped um, selling stuff off the wall and it's orders only now for the reproductions. And then, um, Unless yeah, all they the want merch. To buy an original. Yeah. Originals, yeah. I, I very rarely bring out an original. You know, you, that redheaded death. I did bring that one out, and um, uh, but that was only because I didn't have time to run a print. I literally finished it like <laughs> three days before I was due to go on tour, so I had to build this big, like, almost coffin thing that she sat in to be transported safely. And I, I, uh. I find this conversation to be um, very enlightening because I feel like most of the people I've talked to or kind of what you were talking about in the beginning, not all of them, but um, struggling. And I'm not saying that you're not struggling, but you definitely seem to have figured out how to carve out a a more business savvy uh, niche than what I'm used to. And I'm not saying there isn't anybody that is that's, doing it differently than you or but it's refreshing i guess in in some sense to see that it's it's possible to just to not only just do the posters but you're doing lighters and you've worked with playstation and you've worked with the paps and you do the trays and Mm -hmm. you're selling original artwork and you you have all of these different uh revenue streams yeah and, and that's key um one thing I found out early on, um, 
is monitoring your your industry that you're in and every industry will have ups and downs you know um, um when i was in comic books it was i started collecting right before and saw the whole speculator thing with image comics and all that go down i saw it crash i saw indie comics rise again and and you know so it's looking at what's going to be the hot new thing um not not guessing but knowing that your industry is going to ebb and flow. And that's why I'm in several different industries. You know, like I do go out and tour, but I also wholesale to smoke shops, my products. I do the rock and roll thing, um, you know, which I learned obviously with festivals, you can get wiped out by a storm. Uh, I was at Blue Ridge Rock Fest this year and dealt with that nightmare. And um, thankfully nothing got damaged or destroyed on my end because I knew what I was doing. And, uh, but several other people brought in their, wimpy little home depot tent and it got blown down the you know and all their shit got lost and so i knew that you know i know that just doing festivals is not like it's a lot of like i don't want to say luck because i'm not a big believer in that but you know really does a uh, timing with the weather and um stuff like utilitarian products like i know i know that in may it's one of the worst times to do a show in florida but that's when rockville is every year because that's just what they could get so this year I'm going to have rain ponchos with my artwork on it because like, if it's going to get rained out, then I'll try and make 10, 20, $30,000 off ponchos, you know, with my artwork or, um, I, I, I get what you're saying, you yeah, know, you're, and, you're, and that's something just I being smart. A lot of artists don't, you know, they go into this thinking I have talent. People should buy it because it's talented. I, I don't know. I don't like uh, the whole, I don't like, yeah, I don't like accounting. I don't like business per se. I don't like, um, I do like negotiating deals. I've found that I'm pretty good at that and I, I enjoy it, but it's, you know, I'd rather be painting like any other artist. Um, and it does take a lot out of you. I mean, thankfully I'm a pretty quick painter. So I, I, I do have the time that I can put towards these other things. Um, but a lot of artists have a lot of friends that can, that draw and whatnot. And, and if they would just group together, and help each other handle those side of things. Hey, this weekend we're all helping out Bob over at this art fair. Let's all get together and help him get his stuff together. And then next weekend, this dude's at a Comic-Con. We're going to all jump over there and, you know, um, help him sell or whatnot. Um, you know, my, my buddy Gary and I were in Denver one year just cruising the streets. You know, we were there for uh, the High Times Cannabis Cup. It was nighttime. We were going to, we walked past this bar and, hey, look, there's five artists in there all set up selling their stuff. So we went in and we started talking and I said, Hey dude, you pick an artist and I'll pick an artist and let's be their salesperson for the night. Cause you know, we were way more experienced and, and so he went and sold this girl's art and I connected with this other dude who happened to end up knowing Vincent Gordon, this other artist, you know, who lived in Denver. And so we had a connection there and I said, Hey dude, we don't want any money. We're just kind of cruising around. We do this. We're here for high times. Um, can I sell for you tonight? And the, and the kid was like, what? <laughs> I was like, I'm going to help sell some stuff tonight because we, we really want to help out artists. And he was thrilled. And he was just like, well, I got a tab going. Just make sure you put some beers on that. And I was like, absolutely. So I went and I was like, all right, first thing we're doing is raising your prices. <laughs> I'm like, this is, uh, <laughs> we're going to teach you about perceived value. You know, a lot of artists too get stuck in that by not, uh, not charging enough, you know? And, and I, I tell artists all the time, if you're going to sell an original, it better change something in your life. 
pay your rent for six months, get you that new studio space you want to rent, buy a new car. That's your original. You know, selling an original and having enough to eat that night is not cool. And like I said, that means you quit your day job too early. If if that's all you're if you're trying to do the art game thing and your originals are only buying you a, a happy meal or something like that. So no, I, 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 I get what you're saying. Yeah. So yeah, knowing your industry, knowing that your your market is gonna change, making sure you got your fingers in a lot of pies, um, raising your prices, <laughs> you know, I mean, that's scary. People think, oh, it's too expensive. It's it's art. It's supposed to be. It's a luxury. It's not a necessity. I mean, it's a necessity in the sense that we need it as a civilization. But buying art, you know, it is a luxury item and, and should be treated as such. Every artist should treat their art as if it's a Ferrari. Which leads me to my next question is, where do you think it's going? Where do you think art is going? Where should people... Um, well, I, I think, man, there's so many answers to this question. Um, all right, I'll take it kind of one by one. I, I think artists need to put stock in like, well, at first I think they need to put their, in their own pie. And I think they, a lot of artists need to start, like I said, getting out of that mentality that artist is a bad word um both making them you know like people who won't title themselves because they think it's bougie but also that it's looked down upon you know and it, it is a very tough industry we are not actors we don't have sag we don't have agents we don't have people looking out for us and babying us um we're not musicians we don't have managers i, I do agree that artists are i think the tougher breed of all uh, there's no union for artists professions there's no what there's no union for artists? I don't know. My buddy Bill connected me with a woman that was trying to create one of the first, like, unions for artists. Or, or there might be local stuff that I don't know about, maybe certain industries. Like, if you're working in the movie industry as an artist, I'm sure there's something. But if you're just an independent artist, I haven't come across any real help. I mean, it's, you know. Fair, fair uh, enough. I didn't mean to push you off track. No, no, no. That's fine. That's that's a great question. I mean, it. You know, I I don't think many artists. It's like trying to find an agent. Like I've tried to. I I don't want an agent. I would never use one. But I've always tried to research them a little in case somebody had asked me that question. Like, why don't you use an agent? Or, um, and especially with the internet, when you title artist agent, it usually comes up with musician. You know, yeah. it, it's it's it doesn't. You know, you have to put like fine art or something like that. Um. So, yeah, it, it, you know, really knowing that, like, if you're technically proficient, the art's only going to get better because you practice more. So take that stress off your plate that you have to get better. You got to put all this mental energy into it's it, just practice, draw. You're going to get better. Um, really taking the time to spend a part of your day going, uh, thinking about the business side of it, you know, locally, what can I do? Are there art fairs? Are there craft breweries that need labels? Are there, uh, dispensaries that, you know, every company is every, every shop, every store, everybody's always trying to make that buck. And they're always trying to get out there and advertise and be unique. So set up and live paint at their show and trade them for something. Or, I mean, the barter system's alive and well, um, you know, if there's certain things that you 
can trade for in your life that you don't have to pay for that saves you cash. You know, a local store that you shop at that's like, hey, dude, I know you, you know, um, I bring up the dispensary because I've, I've, you know, there's a few that I've done live art at. And um, I mean, I sold my stuff. I didn't trade for weed, but you could. <laughs> you, know, and, you could. I think you it'd be illegal could. for them. But, you know. Um, but yeah, start local. A, a lot of people miss local and they try and go like, oh, I got to go do this big comic con in San Diego. It's, it's the, you know, and it's like, yeah, that's a huge expense too. You know, it could cost you five, $6,000 to, you know, maybe the booth's $400, but travel, hotel, printing. Um, so starting local and really building that fan base up. Um, I tell people too, getting out to live art for me worked because I loved being out there and it creates a way more intimate experience. I hate selling online. I, I hate social media. Um, I think it's cold and, and, and impersonal. Um, but when I'm at a rock show and somebody comes up and you can see their jaw drop and they buy you a beer and you have a great story or um, I've had people cry at the booth because the painting meant so much and or, or quit their jobs. I was a lawyer. I really wanted to get into art. Now you inspire me. But making that human connection and, and that much more intimate connection, um, it means a lot to these people. And I think that, too, for the artist, it's like maybe you are shy or you're a little reclusive. Put a little more effort into like it means a lot when the artist talks to the fan or friend. And if they yeah, come up and they're does. huge fans of your art and you're just kind of like some moody rock star, or it's like. That's not really, run, you know, I, I've run into both. And, and what I've noticed is the artists that do that are like proactive and or, uh, you know, talk to the fans and or out there doing interviews and whatnot and talking about, you know, a whole litany of subjects. It makes you want to put your skin in the game. You're like they stand for something similar as I do. So I'm what to support, me. you know, yeah. and, and yeah. Not yeah, yeah, I'm mean, trying to give them to give a shit about anything. But uh, yeah, it's it's it, like I said, it makes that connection. It's you know, especially everybody complains now. Oh, we're in an impersonal world, and and it's like, well, if everybody's complaining, but yet they're still doing the same addicted to the phone bullshit, it's like, you know, something's got to give. And and for me, it's always been that I go to these festivals and I'm connecting with these people in person. It's still okay to talk to someone in person. <laughs> you know, it's like that hasn't gone the way of the dinosaur, you know, and it's more important than ever. And if you want your art to sell, I cannot tell you enough how much these fans, it's why these conventions exist. I mean, if you look at it from a basic perspective of you wouldn't be sitting at a Comic-Con if people didn't want to come to the Comic-Con and enjoy Agreed. the art. You know? and not only that, I th I think, and th this might lead to like one of my last questions, um, with with the uh, advent of AI and all these new um, tools that I'm seeing, knowing that there's a guy doing the work makes me feel better about spending two. Yeah, I agree. I, and I and and I think that is more important now than ever getting out there because of AI and all that. I'm not too worried about AI. AI's never concerned me when it came out and everybody freaked out. I'm like, over what? 
a it's just ripping off other artists it's not copyrightable it's not i mean it i'm not worried about it because the, my fans aren't all of a sudden going to be like sorry bed bath and beyond just put out their new ai collection you know like they're not going to change all of a sudden and be like hey i'm into cool art and talking to artists and collecting tool posters and you're standing in line for three hours to get that poster and all of a sudden like they're not just going to change, you know, or <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry. I gave you, <laughs> out there, like, um, they're, they're not all of a sudden going to change. Uh, uh, maybe some will, but you know, the, the ones that are actually buying the art and especially the ones that are paying good money, big money, aren't going to start like taking the cheap version. It, it's like I said, it's a luxury product. It's, it's sure. Nobody who has a lot of money is driving a Pinto. You know, I mean, yeah. unless they're just that kind of fucking cool dude, you know, that well, wants to, like... it's funny you should say this because there is uh, some controversy with individuals in some of these groups that, you know, do go to a lot of shows and spend lots of time and hours and buy lots of expensive things, but then, you know, complain that they can't get somewhere because the van or they need to sell this right away because the van broke down. Or <laughs> some something of that nature. I mean, that's but, any collector, right? Sure, I mean, once sure, you get obsessed sure. with a collection, things tend to go to the wayside. I don't need a new alternator. I need that poster, <laughs> you know. <laughs> but uh, I guess where I was getting to with the AI conversation, in where where I where I think there may be con some concern is that it's getting in. Let's say like cameras, right? Um, mm -hmm. Twenty years ago, the difference between the you know a cinema camera and a video camera that you could get at Best Buy, I mean, they were miles apart. Yeah. Right. Sure. Now you can get. I can buy a camera, and I have a camera that, uh, if set up correctly, is almost indistinguishable between a hundred thousand dollars cinema camera. Right. Yeah. Um, which again, it's the person using it, but um, with some of these AI tools people may not be using AI uh, to, to rip off art, but they be, may make it easier for the average person to be more artistic and come up with ideas and execute things, you know, projecting and not only projecting, but taking AI art and then projecting it and then redoing it yourself. I've heard of this before. Um, yeah, I, I mean that's just lame. That's you know, <laughs> it, it it's gonna happen it, when digital art came out and everybody could use the delete button or the you know it's one reason I don't color digitally because when I do a painting I have to actually make a decision. I don't get to experiment, and if I if I screw something up I got to buff it out and then redraw it and reset you know. So for me putting out art I have to make decisions. Now, in the sketch phase and procreate, that's fine. That's what I'm sketching anyway. I'm going to be erasing and whatnot. So that I don't mind. I can see that being that became a useful tool for me because it made it more efficient and it helped me realize my vision on Canvas because I was able to project it and get a, exactly what I wanted. So in that aspect, you're just using the tools. And when digital art came out, I mean, DeviantArt's a great example. There's 40 million people on there because digital art gave a lot of people the ability to do something on the computer. 39.99999 million of those people aren't doing anything. They're not going anywhere. They're not, it, it all comes down to, they're not, they don't have a vision, which is something that comes from your head. You can't get that from digital or AI. They don't have a plan. They don't know business. They're not out there interacting with fans. They don't know how to set up a studio or, or get prints done or 
So it's the other 99% of the stuff that goes into being an artist that makes me not afraid of AI. People for years have been putting out millions and millions of pieces of art. That's great. But if, like you said, you do, the artists that tend to rise to the top are the more outgoing that have that own, you know, personal style that they've developed. And that story is what drives people to buy their art, you know, and I go, when I have to sell somebody, if they're like, well, AI could da da da, I just make them feel like shit for buying it. I'm like, you just bought the cheap version, you know, it's like, would you have sex with a sex robot? I mean, that's a cheap version of a real woman, right? <laughs> like, you know, it's, it's gross, creepy and weird. And, and I just try and make that comparison with AI. I'm just like, you're buying something that's ripping art off from other artists and there's no feeling, there's no humanity to it. And, you know, you get into that conversation with them about like the importance of it. It's like everybody complains about everything going on in the world, you know, from politics, religion, war, all that. It's like buying art from an artist. This is your one chance to support one of the purest, last honest jobs or or crafts out there, you know, that somebody can literally sit down with a blank piece of paper and change your emotional state. So if that's important to you and if you know, your mental well-being and your, I mean, you know, everybody's a mess these days, you know, but you look at a nice painting or a good piece of art and and you know the story behind it uh, or the person, you know, you're helping an artist or you're making that connection with them. I think that, you know, it's, it's a small step, but it's one of those ones that's, that's necessary to keep this civilization going. Not, not to put the weight of the world on artists' shoulders, but, you know, and musicians and dramatists and writers, and I'm not just saying just oh. artists, but well, it's not only artists, it's the rest of the art community, mm-hmm. you know, I think is really what you're saying is you're saying use the tools, but don't, don't be lame. <laughs> I mean, is the best way I could say it. That's the like, t-shirt. Be, don't be lame. <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, there, there, there's definitely useful tools like, uh, you know, that can be used in, I think it's up to the artist to figure out. Uh, what lines they should or should not be crossing Yeah. when it comes to AI. And then what you're also saying to the rest of the art community, whether or not you're a musician or a consumer or... Exactly. It's, it's why wouldn't you? I mean, everybody wants craft beer and, and, and custom five-blade razors and organic food and, you know... The, the best TV out there, it's why wouldn't your art fall in the same category? And it's something that is actually created. It's not just some product. It's not just some, it's like everybody wants these bougie experiences or these, these custom experiences in their life. You know, well, I get my food delivered every week and it comes in, in a pink bow, you know, and, but yet I'm going to download AI and just print it out and put it on the wall. It's like, it, it comes down to, like I said, about assessing your life and, making sure every aspect of it is working together, you know, not, not some hippie harmony shit, but kind of like that, sounds, you know, making it sure it, <laughs> it definitely is, you know, um, it, because if, if one thing is off, it, it does affect, you yeah. know, the person and, and, uh, yeah, use the tools. It's great. AI is not going to cave the art world in the CD, the tape, the recordable didn't kill the music yeah. industry. I mean, Streaming kind of screw the artists out of a lot of money, but um, oh yeah, that you know, so there's a big one. not saying there's certain things that haven't really done it in for certain musicians, but and I feel bad for them, but um, but you know what that's done? They've gotten out and toured a lot more. 
Well, that, that's the other thing I, I've noticed, and it, it's actually a film I'm working on currently, is since streaming has uh, become its thing, bands have had to um, switch to other avenues of revenue, right? Yeah. And one of the big ones is now posters. So there's this whole new community and homeostasis of poster and artist and musician that now have to work together. Yeah. Um, but look what opportunity that opened up for artists. Yeah, exactly. So That's it's right crazy here. how technology can change in one industry and open and, and kind of close a door maybe and make it harder for that industry or that particular, you know, musicians, but it's opening up this whole new door, this whole new side of things for artists. Yeah. Like I can't sell a CD, but you know what? 750 people will buy every show a poster yeah um, and it's visually bringing and, and what's cool what i like to see is album artwork went away because cds went away now vinyl's still doing pretty well you know people collect vinyl and whatnot but it, it's almost bringing back having album art which was one of the coolest things that you know when i was buying music in the 90s and whatnot i couldn't wait what's the album art going to look like what's it look like on the inside what are the liner notes going to look like and like when I got the downward spiral and, and, you know, nine inch nails and, and that artwork was incredible. And then you opened it up and we're like, Whoa, you know, and stuff and just all the little secret things they would put in or, and so the posters, you know, streaming kind of took music in a way where they had to come up with different revenue, which took them to the arts, which is now making them more artful. And, and, and I think make the yeah. bands look more rich, you I, know, I, uh, I couldn't you know, agree more. more. Well-rounded. Um, it, it's like, here's their music, but then all these artists that they're picking are an extension of that. So it's like, here's, you know, who Adam Jones loves, you know, artwork-wise. And so you're you're actually getting a kind of a behind-the-scenes look, too, and into their mind as, as to what kind of art they appreciate as well. And I think that that's a connection, you know, for the, the fans to the band. I think you should start making Nine Inch Nail posters and just sending them to them until they <laughs> and until they pick one. Uh, I would love to, you know. There are some other industrial bands that I um uh I have connections with that I bet I could do a poster for and and uh I'm just yeah, when I get the time. I, that's that's the whole yeah. thing. <laughs> I feel like you have enough going on anyways. <laughs> yeah, but it is but, one thing I would love to do a series of posters just paying tribute, even if they don't get published. Like it'd be cool to be like, hey, here's my KMFDM, my ministry, my front two four two, my you know, and, and being like, these are the bands that influenced me. You know, and then maybe the bands would reach out or I reach out to them and say, Hey, would you guys like to put together a collection of or a little yesterday? <laughs> <We're all good>. Um <laughs> Yeah. Uh, what I will say is what we didn't touch on and make and cut this in, but what what is your book about? Oh, what yeah. Let me talk a little bit about that. Um, what What is your podcast and book about? So the book is I decided to sit down and, and, and go and it kind of parlays into like what you were asking earlier about being an artist. And for me, it was like I'm, I'm starting to meet other artists that are, you know, in certain industries that are doing kind of the same things that I'm doing and I'm not seeing a lot of originality and I'm like, um, I, I need to write this book about my last, let's say, I think it's 27 years of, of my art career. Like from the time I landed in new Orleans, that was really when I was off and running and trying to discover who I was as a person, because I knew that is what was going to make great art. 
And so it's a it's a collection of all the crazy stuff that I've been through in order to be the person that can create great art. So it kind of gives people a little, you know, not to say you have to go out and be a complete lunatic to be a great artist, but it just dives into like how much travel and seeing different things and tasting different foods and meeting all those cool people at dive bars or, you know, not just sitting in your room thinking that you're going to create great art when all you have to look at is four walls. You know, granted, your imagination is a pretty vast empire, um, but you will be surprised at how much it helps to get out there. So it's about almost 30 years of just stories of, of on the road. And then it kind of gets into like more of the business side in the end of the book. So it'll talk about selling and pricing and but all done through funny stories and stuff. You know, people I've had to deal with that have tried to hammer me on price and how I dealt with it. And um, and so that I want to get that book out. And then that is going to be kind of the kickoff for a podcast. It's going to be called Drink Tickets, which is what they used to pay me in when I was live painting. Gotcha. So I thought that'd be a nice homage to my early paychecks. And they did the same thing when I was in a band. <laughs> yeah, right. Exactly. So everybody knows, you know, and it's something I think, uh, yeah, when I was kicking around the title, I was like, Drink Tickets. That's got to be it. So and yes, I grabbed one. the website and I have all the socials. <laughs> <laughs> um. So yeah, so the book, uh, I'm, I'm about 40,000 words in right now, and um, it'll probably be double that. I'm hoping before I go on tour next year to, to have it shopped out. I would actually like to shop it out to a bigger publisher um, if I could. I, I look at it, I just finished Kitchen Confidential again from Anthony Bourdain. That's probably a best comparison. It'd be like my Kitchen Confidential for the art world. And then hopefully that'll parlay into this... Uh, podcast where I'm basically bringing artists on to do interviews, or I'll just have my own kind of rants about the business and psychology of being an artist. So more of the, all the business stuff that I've been through. Um, at MJ BizCon, I just met a uh, uh, intellectual property lawyer who said he'd be happy to come onto the podcast and talk about that side of things. And so it's going to be covering everything they don't teach you in art school and nobody really wants to talk about, but is necessary. Those are definitely the subjects that I would, uh, that I'm trying to at least. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a subject that needs to be talked about more. I mean, it's, it's great to hang out and go to cons and do all the fun stuff. And, but then you also hear the same sob stories every year about, oh, it was a slow year or this or that. And it's like, well, did you do anything different? Did you hire somebody to help? Did you, what, you know, nobody really has that yeah. conversation. Um, no sitting around at the well, pub with other artists nobody's like hey <laughs> you guys get a new accountant because <laughs> it's not fun you know no um <laughs> sorry i'm coming <laughs> i see it coming um plug yourself that's what i was gonna say sure can you give everyone a plug yeah yeah deviantart uh, search Sean Dietrich. You, you can actually see a, the gallery. That, that's kind of the mega gallery of everything that I've done, um, or a good chunk of it. Uh, Sean Dietrich Art, S E A N, spelled the right way. Uh, Dietrich spelled Diet Rich, easy way to remember it. And then Art, A R T. Uh, that's my website. And then at Sean Dietrich is my Instagram. That's about all you need to know as far as what I use. Um, I do have for the Alabama guy. Yeah, exactly. 
No, that was the I, thing when that other Sean Dietrich came out. So if you go to SeanDietrich.com, that is the red bearded gentleman that writes about the South and sings Christian tunes or I don't know what he does. Um, but that is not me. <laughs> but once he started to get traction and SEO and all that, I went and just scooped every social media thing I could. Yeah. And anytime anything new comes out, I just go and grab it whenever. Uh, Smart. You know, so, uh, Which leads me to kind of the wrapping this up is how smart I, I, again, we have only met a couple of times, but or the one time and we've chit chatted and, you know, but I'm very impressed with the mentality you bring to your view on art. Cause it's not just about the art itself, which it is, but yeah, there's other aspects to keep yourself safe and, you know, keep yourself um, content and oh, what, whatever the... It's a tough profession, you know? Yeah. It's it's, uh, it's why your parents look scared when you say you're going to be an artist, you know? And, and, and even as an artist, like, I'm glad my daughter wants to be a lawyer. <laughs> I'm, like, I'm like, please don't be an artist. No. But if they well, wanted yeah. to, I would totally support it, of course. And, sure. But it's, I guess what I'm getting at is that, yes, it is scary to be an artist, but there are ways to, uh, you know, get into different avenues. You don't have to just do art prints. No. You, you don't have to just do uh, originals. You can work. You can do whatever you want. That's that's the great thing about being an artist. I mean, it, it you do whatever the hell you want. Work with whoever you want. Write to whoever you want and say, I love your band. I want to do a poster. Hey, Adidas, I want to put out, I wear Adidas. I, I would love to do some shoe designs for them, you know, have some art. Um, I, I don't know. I mean, it, it, it's it's limitless. And that's, I think, what is so wonderful. But I also think that's what's so heavy about it is, you know, as well, which, what, what do I do? Um, and I think a lot of artists have that issue. And um, But yeah, that's that's the the brilliant thing about it is is you can do whatever you want. Just make sure you take the time to really be there for your career. You know, you, you have to nurture it. It is a child in the sense, you know, it needs watering like a plant. It needs to grow. You need to learn the business side. Um, you don't need an MBA, but you need at least to learn how to talk to people and negotiate a contract or, or get a good lawyer or have a buddy that's a lawyer that you give them artwork or, you know, <laughs> put, put the effort into it, you know, that, yeah, um, just like you, yeah, I know it's scary sales and all that. I, I, you know, I've told artists before too. I'm like, just everybody's got an obnoxious friend. Bring them along, let them be your salesperson, or let them be a designer con taking the questions, <laughs> fielding the questions for you. You know, maybe you're working on a sketch and they have some questions, and your friend can be like, "Oh yeah, let me tell you about what he's working on right now." And it, it's, it's a so, great idea. It's a great idea, you know, and yeah. they'll do it for beer money probably, or you know, just to or get art. into designer con, you know, like right. so. Yeah, well, there's a hundred different ways to do it. There's no one set path. Um, have fun, but yeah, definitely treat treat it right and treat it with respect. Your career and and it'll it'll treat you well back. Thank you so much. Yeah, I appreciate it. it and was... uh, people perceive it to be boring. Yeah, <laughs> uh, but I I don't think that's boring. No. <laughs> well, Sean, thank you so much. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me. I, I appreciate it too, probably more than you do. Uh, and I appreciate <laughs> you, uh, what, what's the word, being persistent with me. 
Um, yeah, no, if there's an audience and I can reach it, I'm, I'm in. Um, it's and it's, it's, it's paying off for sure. Yeah. And what you're for doing you. is important. I, I, you know, any, anybody that's out there spreading the good word of art or, you know, covering it in some way, it's, it helps us and, and, uh, and artists, I, I try, you know, we're appreciative. Yeah. My goal is just to learn, you know, uh, again, coming from a background that is not necessarily artistic or creative, it's my goal to learn, you know, it, it, to a learn to to do it, learn to learn how to be creative in in, in maybe a visual way or, or or a technical way, and uh, just figure out what makes creative people tick. Yeah, I'm still trying to figure that out. <laughs> right. Alrighty, my friend, I'll be in touch. All right, sounds good. Thank you, good sir. Spiral Out Podcast is produced by me, your host, Chris West, edited by me, researched by me. Uh, everything is pretty much just done by me. Uh, go to our website, spiraloutpod.podbean.com. Follow us on Instagram at spiral underscore out underscore pod. Facebook, Spiral Out Podcast. And again, if you want to see some of the images associated with this episode, Click the link in the show notes and it'll take you there. Again, thank you for listening. Spiral out. Pod dismissed. Wait, that's another show. <laughs>